All right, we're live. This is the XC podcast. We're streaming this via Facebook Live for the first time ever. Um, we had uh, a fun time doing a, a bit of a live, uh, I guess it was kind of like a live stream commentary live podcast thing uh, for the bulk of the men's race, kind of hacked it together and decided we were going to actually just live stream this uh, podcast. It's our instant reaction uh, and recap podcast of a wild London marathon. And uh, we'll be posting this as well, obviously, at all your usual uh, podcast apps. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., etc. And we'll push it out on our newsletter as well, uh, thexc.substack.com if you're not a subscriber feel free to subscribe. It's free and we send you good, hopefully good content regularly. That's like, like, like the think Alex. That's, 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 that's the game plan. Yeah. So we're, um, Alex and I are both seemingly in like basement bunkers right now. Uh, I just like ran over from where we've got our projector in my house and we were, uh, you and I were live streaming and commenting on the on the uh the london marathon i think right off the bat alex i mean most surprising thing jaw-dropping uh turn of events with this race is clearly that elliot kipchoge arguably now very much arguably the greatest marathon runner of all time and perhaps greatest distance runner of all time uh just got beat pretty badly and the questions will be in the coming days whether uh, he got beat or whether he had a, an injury issue, um, or what it was specifically that seemed to, uh, cause him some discomfort. I mean, we, we talked about this in the live podcast that we were doing mid race. We saw that in his face. There was seemingly like a little bit of a grimace or discomfort. And, um, we, you actually noted that and we talked about it, but what's your first reaction? Like in First, 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 first thought you have uh, in the aftermath. We're just like a few minutes away from from the race having just finished. You know, and we mentioned this when we were watching the race. I kind of had a feeling that um, I'd be excited for the person to be Kipchoge. Right. And there are two things I didn't expect. One was that it wouldn't be eight people at the same time. And two was that I'd, I'd be more excited than I am. I'm kind of sad see this really and the thing is i usually cheer for the underdog i usually don't root for the number one as many of us do we like to see the change of the guard we like to see a new person come in and beat the old champion i love to see you know uh for example joshua cheptegei break kenisa bikili's record and have that whole uh change in mindset of who the best runner in the world is so i thought i'd love to see someone come in and beat Kipchoge and you know run too flat or whatever it was going to be but I find myself kind of sad and it, I think it's only by having Kipchoge beat that I realized that I'm a huge fan I was rooting for the guy it's amazing for someone to do what he's done to win consistently so many times to run so fast and his whole um his whole philosophy his whole mantra kind of lives and dies with him and every time that he won a race his his no human is limited his his uh just ability to insert his mental game just grew stronger and to see that 
maybe not come to an end, but come to a pause. I'm I'm kind of saddened by it. How did you feel? I I similar to you. I I had this realization that I was a. I I guess I I was hoping that Kipchoge was indeed um, somehow a a superior human to the rest of us. I mean, he still kind of is, right? I mean, he's still. You look at his record. He's run, I believe, but fifteen marathons. This is only the. This is only the second time that he's ever not come in first place in a marathon. The other, the other being way back in his second marathon when he finished second in Berlin, and and that was during a world record attempt by, I believe that was uh, Wilson Kipsang's world record, uh, and Wilson Kipsang was very much at the top of his game and considered the best, and Kipchoge was just sort of a, an up and comer moving into the marathon from the track. Uh, and of course, also Wilson kept saying now has been suspended for doping. So I don't know how legitimate that world record was back in the day. Anyway, all that to say is, uh, I think we all very much believe that Ali Kipchoge was above the fray and certainly mentally unflappable, someone who had never shown to have any form of physical issue in a marathon and was the master of consistency in a, in a distance where it's really uh, a war of attrition in the last 10 kilometers of the, of the marathon. Uh, Kipchoge always seemed to be the only runner that was capable of staying extremely even or maybe even picking up the pace slightly. And, he, and what's interesting about him historically in his racing is he never even really seemed to be the type of racer that would really like dig in kind of like a, a Bekele would like where, where he would like pick up the pace and become sort of, you could see like a ferocity and an intensity. Kipchoge always kept very placid and calm and like famous for cracking a little bit of a smile uh, in the late stages of the race in order to relax himself and stay focused, he would say. In this case today, none of that in the last, uh, certainly in the last 5K. Uh, the break was pretty extraordinary. That group of at first five and then four athletes pulling away from him. And it was just over, like in just in a second, it just, the the, the tide turned in the race. Um, all the credit to, to Shirei Katata for winning that race. Not only did he, he was the instigator of driving that pace um, and of making that first initial move where he slipped in on the inside of Kipchoge and pushed a little bit and then got that group to start to pull away with him. But also that sprint finish in the end. I mean, I think lost in all of this, uh, uh, of Kipchoge being defeated was the fact that we had an incredible finish to this race where it was a four man race with a few hundred meters to go. And then it turned into this insane sprint finish where literally Chip Chumba and Kitada were str like the footage was great. The camera was tracking right uh, along their side and they literally they were stride for stride. They looked matched for, I'd say probably at least 20 or 30 strong meters and a sprint in the last uh, 100 or so meters to the finish with Katata coming on coming out on top. Uh yeah, I'm all that to say it was a long-winded response for saying that. Yeah, Alex like you I'm like a little bit sad that we live in um we now live in a a the Kipchoge is human times. And yeah. uh and now that's something that we all have to grapple with. We all have to accept and uh but but the big but, that makes the next year or so of marathon races 
way more interesting in some from some respects. Well, yeah, and that now that you know, if we concede that he's human, he's going to be facing very human challenges, and one of them is going to be a mental one. Can he bounce back from this? And it's a simple question, but who knows? And perhaps we wait until the Olympics. Probably we wait until the Olympics to see if he does. And one thing that I got to thinking uh, when Kenanisa Bikili pulled out of the race was we keep praising Kipchoge for his superior mental ability. That's right. always what it seems to be, right? There have been studies uh, done by Nike when he was bra- in the Breaking 2 event showing that physiologically he had an equal. Zersene Tedesi, who we don't hear about anymore or haven't right. heard of lately, right. it was was physiologically just as good as Kipchoge and even better at clearing lactate. So what separated Kipchoge was the mental game. But when Kenanisa Bikili pulled out, it got me thinking, the thing that we're not noting, the thing we're not noticing is it's a physical thing that separates Kipchoge from the other best the other best athletes he doesn't get hurt he doesn't get hurt and he you know his injuries have been minimal over the years and perhaps that was his his you know his x factor and now after the race you know he was lucky enough to start and finish unlike Bikili. but a couple of reports have come out since the race kind of indicating that there were some things happening with Kipchoge so perhaps that's something that he um you know, it's a barrier that he faced or an obstacle that he faced that he hadn't really faced before. So I have two tweets in front of me, and they're both saying different things, and perhaps it was a combination of things. So I'll read two of them here. So one of them is from John uh, John Mulkeen, who, uh, who's a web editor at World Athletics. And he tweets, speaking to the BBC, Kipchoge says he picked up a problem with his right ear during the race, describing it as a blockage. He said he later struggled with his hips and legs. And then another tweet that came just around the same time from uh, Cathal Dennehy, who uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who's a sports journalist uh, out of Ireland. And he writes, no surprise to hear Kipchoge report an issue. Says his right ear was blocked the last 15 km. Tears in his eyes as he speaks to Gabby Logan on BBC. Uh, asked if he'll be back for more marathons next year. He says, absolutely. I'm still there to come back again. And that tweet was... Uh, there was a previous tweet by Dennehy that was deleted um, that was citing problems in his legs. So um, perhaps they were just getting the story right, but it looks like he had, you know, maybe it was an ear infection, something. And I don't know about you, but it's maybe common for a marathoner to finish and say, oh, well, I had this problem. I had that problem. But, you know, if we know Kipchoge at all, uh, he's not the type to pull out with an excuse. So we got to think that, you know, maybe he was struggling with more than usual here today. Yeah, I mean, there was a he had a visible wince in his face that I think now we can, you know, it's tough in the moment to analyze what a marathon runner is going through by just trying to get a read on. Usually, you can get a better read on their total body language, you know, their their stride, sort of how their their arm carriage, that sort of thing. But like the face is always a tough thing to read. But there was a very visible moment of discomfort just before he dropped dropped off. And he actually did try to flash that smile in the aftermath of that moment of discomfort. And I wonder if that was his attempt to try to like turn a negative into a positive, try to reset a little bit. But clearly he was um, not up for the task today, which is just so unbelievable. If it was an ear issue, I mean, it was raining. So there was a, you know, 
a lot of moisture in the air and that could be possible. And that obviously like uh, if you have uh, water in the ear or an ear infection or something along those lines that throws off your balance, um, ear infections are pretty terrible, right? And we've all pretty much everyone's had one at some point in their lives and yeah. they're pretty painful. They mess with your sleep. They mess with your equilibrium, your balance. Uh, certainly not something that I want to be experiencing while I'm running a marathon uh, at the highest caliber in the world. Um, so we'll learn more about that in the future. Interesting that there was a tweet about the leg. I think was it the ankle. I think it was that was tweeted and then deleted. And maybe that's just a mistake and that's why it was deleted. So I don't want to go like down conspiracy alley too far here, but I will say this in the U.S. Olympic trials, when the Alpha Fly got rolled out, the Nike shoe that Kipchoge wore in Vienna for uh, his sub-two-hour run, when it got rolled out at the U.S. Olympic trials for athletes to wear, there was some commentary, particularly around Galen Rupp, uh, who had had some leg issues going into the race, that it would be maybe risky for him to wear that shoe because of the... St- stack height, the sort of platformy vibe of it, and the fact that it's actually kind of tough, apparently. I've not run in this shoe. I've run in the other Nike shoes, but that's apparently kind of tough to take some hard turns on it. And there there was in this two-kilometer loop of the London course, um, one turn in particular that was a little bit a, a bit hard on the legs. And they were running uh, clockwise, so they were running uh, with that stress on the, uh, the plant foot is the right-hand side. So, uh, we, I'm, we never may get the truth about, about that element of things, because obviously as a Nike athlete, uh, Kipchoge has deep allegiance to that organization. And, uh, if he had an issue with the shoes, I'm not sure if he would be, uh, more like, like Bekele was, you know, pretty blunt about it actually in the days leading up to London saying that, he wasn't going to wear the alpha flies because he didn't really like the fit and he didn't like the way they felt. And he said that he had some, some issues with them with that stability issue as a question mark. So I do wonder if it was a shoe issue. Um, but we will, uh, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we, maybe we won't. Let's, um, let's talk really briefly about, not really briefly. Let's talk at length about, uh, the rest of the field for a second. Um, obviously I think it's first things first, let's talk about the race that, happened earlier in the morning 2 a.m 2 15 a.m eastern time uh uh obviously um 7 15 uh, uh london time the women's race went off and perhaps to no one's surprise bridget koskai the world record holder uh won the race uh she ran just a hair under 219 alex do you have the splits in front of you this year so uh yeah 218.58 was uh, her time, and she had a solid three-minute victory over Sarah Hall, who, uh, well, had the race of her life. She ran a personal best, 222.01. But, uh, yeah, this was very much Costco's race to win. And, yeah, I'm, I'm saddened that we couldn't see more because at first when we looked at the time of the race, we thought it meant 7.15 Eastern time, and we were all excited. And then our hearts sank when we noticed that it was actually uh, 7.15 great britain time so 215 um but yeah i think bridget Koskai um just didn't really meet her match today and see i i want to toot my own horn because i mentioned this in a previous podcast in her preview podcast that the disappointment of the race would just be 
uh, a general slowing of times. And that's what we saw. A 218.58, I didn't think would be enough to uh, win this race usually. Yeah. Uh, we do have a, a few of the athletes who had run well under that. So Ruth Chepengetich being a 217 low runner, and she uh, had to settle for third in 222. So um, had to, and that was a bit earlier in the morning too. So the temperature hovered around nine. It was probably for the men's race. So it was probably a bit colder. Um, so uh, probably a difficult to... Uh, to start really quickly but yeah Koskai we had seen her race a bit earlier this year when she uh um faced off against Safan Hassan in that one hour challenge on the track and we did note that she let Hassan kind of run away from her pretty easily she was running at a around 66 minute half marathon pace which is barely faster than her full marathon pace so we wondered you know maybe she's not quite in the fitness um that she was when she broke the world record and ran a 214. And we wondered maybe that's just a training run and she'll show up and show all her cards. But uh, clearly she wasn't, um, those weren't in the cards today. Of course, that's hard to do when you don't have anyone to run with. Um, but uh, I think we should, we should put our hats off to Sarah Hall, who I think had the, the race of the field here in second place. I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, certainly the let's run, boards will perhaps light up in the coming days kind of questioning the approach of the u.s olympic trials because clearly sarah hall is uh if not the best one of the best uh marathon runners in the u.s right now uh, certainly in terms of performance and now also in terms of like delivering on race day like i think a big question when you're going into create when you're creating an olympic team is what's often referred to as performance on demand, meaning uh, can you show up on race day for the big event ready and able to uh, at least deliver your talent level, if not reach a little bit further. And uh, obviously Sarah Hall is a gamer and a race day performer because second place at the London Marathon is a career capstone and a huge deal uh, uh, particularly for an American athlete. Uh, she's a 221, 222.01. I bet you she's probably just kicking herself that she didn't just put digging a little deeper in the last few hundred meters to get into that 221 territory so she could have that as her personal best. But hey, she'll take the second place, I'm sure. Uh, I, can I uh, barge in for a second here? Sure. Because we have an update on Twitter here. We have Elliot Kipchoge from the horse's mouth himself. This is what happened. He just made a tweet. Uh, and it's going viral just six minutes in. He says, after 25 kilometers, my ear blocked and it Yuck. couldn't open anymore. But this is how sport is. We should accept defeat and focus on and focus for the winning next time. Thanks for the support. This guy's just friggin' perfect. I like that tweet. I like that yeah. tweet because there's no excuses. I mean, there is the excuse of what happened. Um, mm -hmm. But he's got that track, rec that track record of being an egoless runner and uh that just sounds like an unfortunate uh experience for him i mean i think the one thing that will take place from here on in though is that you're going to have particularly a lot of young up-and-coming contenders that will run with a lot more a lot less less deference and more assertiveness in the second half of marathons when they face him in the future uh just as was the case here 
Um, I, we we made me made reference during the during the live podcast mid race that we wondered if these the the contenders would be entirely deferential to him throughout the race and wait to see what he did um, or challenge him. And obviously there was a challenge. And this is something that, for example, Mo Farah on the track didn't see for the bulk of his career is there was always this deference to him and he got to control the outcome of the race ultimately uh, time and time again. And that's how he in part became such a, a, a storied distance runner is because uh, the race was always on his terms and similar with Kipchoge. So be very curious to see how this plays out moving forward with, with contenders. Uh, sorry. So back to the women's race for a second here. Um, Ruth Cheptengedich, who was my pick to win. Uh, oops. Uh, finished third quality time faded a little bit in the end. Uh, Hall overtook her, which is, you know, impressive. Hall came from, I believe, fifth place to storm all the way to second. Uh, I think another notable finish here is Molly Seidel uh, of the U.S. In just her second marathon. She runs uh, a personal best by a couple minutes, I believe, at two twenty-five thirteen, which is a really solid showing for your second marathon ever. On let's let's face it, this was clearly not an ideal day for running fast. So. I think that's a really impressive and positive thing. She's she's made the Olympic team already. She finished second in the uh, in the uh, U.S. Olympic trials earlier this year in Atlanta. So she'll be going to Tokyo next year if we have a Olympics, uh, which is another conversation for another day. But uh, clearly, she is a world class talent and somebody who is trending upwards in terms of her performance ability. So she's exciting, an exciting one to watch. Another really cool performance here is um, Sinead Diver of Australia, who not only ran an Olympic qualifying time, uh, 2.27.07, finished eighth place today in London, but she's 43 years old. She's run Worlds a couple of times. She had a really great performance, I believe, in Worlds in Doha in the last, uh, last year and is a pretty phenomenal performer into her 40s, came into the sport a little bit late, and is clearly a an extraordinary talent. I'm sure I haven't run the tables, but I'm sure her age graded time is right up there with first with a two nineteen. I mean, like she's probably the fastest runner and on an age graded table or close to it. So incredible performance by her. She'll be going to the Olympics uh, unless you know two other athletes from Australia can run faster than her. Uh, before the qualifying closes, I believe it'll close probably at some point late May next year, uh, if not at the end of May. So extraordinary day for her. She came and delivered. Um, we'll talk. Let's talk a little bit about the Canadian results uh, as well. Um, interesting, interesting, uh, interesting day for Canadians. We saw Alex. We saw Cam Levins flirting with greatness for quite a while deep into this race. Um, what I, before we talk about what happened to cam, that first half was, I mean, this, the marathon, it's tough to say that first half. Cause it's kind of like the race is the last 10 K, but that first, the first, I'd say the first 20, 25 K looked special and it was pretty exciting. 
the first half was kind of seemed perfect for Cam Levens. You know, he um, he told you this, Michael. I believe we keep we keep referencing this, so I hope that we're right. But Cam Levens has seen himself as a 207 marathoner for a while now, and to him breaking the Canadian record, which was 21009. You know, in, in 2018, Levens broke the record, ran 209.25. Breaking that record for him wasn't enough he sees himself as faster and since that marathon he's made a few attempts at you know just going at a different pace and breaking the record by a few minutes and really owning it and so this this is what he did today i think he split the first half in uh just right around on 207 40 pace and he kept that pace up to nearly 30k and it's hard to know exactly where he blew the tire uh, but we think it's between 30 and 35. We just stopped seeing him. And it uh, turns out that I believe he dropped out of the race. And uh, it's like you say, sometimes the second half only happens in the last 10 kilometers. And I think the, the really um, the, the, the disappointing thing for Levins, I'm guessing, is that I think he knows not only that he has it, he has a 207 eventually, but I think he knows that he had it today. Uh, like we said, uh, I think during the live show, Levin's time trialed a 62-14 or a 62-12, essentially a personal best, obviously unofficial, but you got to take what you can get in these times. A few weeks ago, um, commented that he felt great. I think he's he posted a few times, a few places. He felt like he was in the best fitness of his life. So I, I think Levin's is going to be a bit disappointed going home, knowing that, you know, if the day was a bit different, he had it. But the good thing for him is that he is in a good fitness um, going into an Olympic year. He'll just have to hit standard. And, you know, we're talking a lot about Levens, but we can't keep doing this to poor Tristan Woodfine, who's a Canadian. Um, I'd like to call him the most forgotten about Canadian runner, perhaps in history, because, you know, he's not a big guy on social media. He it's it's not. um he just kind of puts his head down and runs, and he's a young enough guy. I think he's about a 27-year-old, and last year he had a bit of a breakthrough race going down to 213, and people saw him as an up-and-comer, and today he smashed it, 210.51, and that's Olympic standard for Woodfine. He's likely going to be going to the Olympics. He's just a second Canadian to have standard behind Trevor Hoffbauer now. Uh, interestingly enough, I think he's a, just exactly a minute slower than Hoffbauer's time, but a big, big breakthrough for him. Um, should be happy about it. And let me say is here, Tristan, we see you. You're not <laughs> forgotten. He you got know? a lot of screen time, actually. Uh, you got he a did. lot of screen time on, you know, the biggest stage uh, during this, you know, the broadcast for this race. He he was running with that, um, with the with the Great Britain group that was paced by Mo Farah. So for him, this is actually like, just such a huge opportunity and a huge win for him and also shows that he's doesn't shy away during that kind of spotlight moment because he's running in a pack with the you know one of the goats mo farah one of the like superstars of the sport uh there is a camera crew that's on them the entire race there is nobody else in this race besides them and this and the lead pack in front and that little pack that Cam Levens was in as well, which actually got less screen time because of it, because it was this dedication 
obviously by the the BBC who were doing the 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 global the global they were doing the the presentation they were doing the the production so they were the filming crew they made the decisions so obviously they put cameras on those UK runners because that was a big element of their storytelling so that meant that Tristan Woodfine got a lot of camera time for somebody that as you pointed out Alex we used to, we joked about in Canada that is somebody who kind of flies under the radar and that even locally here in our our big Canadian race, the the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, which does a, a world-class broadcast that, that we're involved in, and that uh, there was like no footage of him running a really competent 213 marathon last fall. Like he wasn't on the camera at all, pretty much. Uh, so this is a huge day for him, both in terms of exposure, but but obviously just the the end result, which is that for all intents and purposes, I think he will be going to the Olympics. I mean, I, I, I'm careful not to say now that, uh, I'm careful not to say, you know, Tristan Winfied is for sure going to the Olympics. He's qualified for the Olympics, but who knows what's going to happen in the next few months. Although the men's side in Canada is a little, has a, a little less deep than the women's side. So whereas on the women's side, you've already got three athletes in a log jam of, you know, five, six athletes at the top that are, all capable of running an Olympic standard. And then on the men's side, it's a little thinner and Tristan Woodfine has obviously slotted himself in, in the number two spot, at least for now. We'll see uh, what, what Cam Levins has to, it has to offer. I, I imagine that Levins is going to reload. And when did he drop out? What, at what kilometer did he drop out at? Do you know? Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know it's between 30 and 35. That's interesting. So there is a race coming up in December in, uh, in uh, Arizona, I believe that Naz Elite, which are sponsored by Hoka, which happens to be Cam Levin's sponsor, is uh, putting on, and they're putting on a world class uh, closed event similar to the London style event, uh, closed to spectators and totally a controlled event for elite athletes, mainly Americans. Um, I know that. Uh, a, uh, a a Canadian you're quite familiar with, uh, um, Roy Linkletter, will be trying to run an Olympic standard there. And I wonder if Cam Levins jumps in on that race. When you, ju- when you drop out of a marathon around 30K, there's often an opportunity to reload, reset and reload and try to go after another one within the same season. And when it comes to Cam Levins, and we kind of just get the impression of this by kind of having met him a few times following his career, he's such a competitive guy and he, you know, he expects a lot out of himself as he should. He's an incredibly talented runner, incredibly hard worker. Um, so it, it would just be unleavens like to roll over and die before the Olympics. He'll sure. be back at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, I hope he races again. If he, fe- you know, if he feels like, uh, if he feels like he's capable of doing it, um, within this 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 training block it's a great opportunity for him to run a race at the end of the year uh it'll give him what let's say around seven eight weeks to to reload refresh and uh, you know take a recovery week this week and then get back into a bit of training and try to run uh, another fast marathon i mean the guy realistically all he has to do for now at least is run uh under 2 11 30 obviously if you're running with Rory Linkletter in that race, you would be uh, eyeing on him as well because the 
there's now only one spot available for Team Canada to make the Olympics. Uh, but who knows? I don't want to promise the guy into a race he's not <laughs> willing to do. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, we can also talk about the the GB results and some of the other interesting results from around the world. Uh, Stephen Scullion, really interesting runner from Ireland, placed 11th, 209.49. That's, that's an Olympic qualifier for his country as well. Uh, Peter Herzog uh, from Austria as well. And um, for the British Championship, which was held in London, I just packed it all together today. Uh, uh, Johnny Meller uh, and uh, Ben Connor both ran Olympic qualifying times. Um, heartbreaker here. This is pretty brutal. Yeah. Juan Luis Berrios, 2.11.37. Is, Seven seconds off the Olympic standard. Yeah, and he came all the way from Mexico to try to run that Olympic standard. I spoke with him um you may have as well in toronto in the fall last year he came to toronto specifically to run an olympic standard in toronto last year as well and also had a tough day and did not quite deliver in toronto missed it by a little bit more than that but also i think a pretty um nail-biting race as well so he's uh i mean he's so close and you just feel for somebody who who gets so close and 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 just misses by like literally you're staring at the clock as it's ticking over the time. And then you cross the finish line. I mean, that's heartbreaking, but yeah. And he's right outside of a, just, there was probably a big celebratory pack. So it ended yeah. up being a great day for Olympic qualifiers. Ended up having 15 men from seven different countries, uh, dip under Olympic standards. So, you know, the guys he'd been running with for, for most of the race, the Ben Connors and Johnny Mellers and well, would just slightly ahead of him um but yeah i think that's yeah. that's probably a, a you know despite the times being generally slower than what we expected them to be today i think that's a very positive stat um that uh, that number of men qualifying for the olympics and then you look at the women's side and you know it's more of the same had 11 women run under 229.30 which is it was the olympic standard um from six different countries so um, like we mentioned, and, and we talked about this yesterday, when we looked at the um, at the start list, there were many men and many women in that sweet spot of you know just around a minute to two minutes under Olympic standard, or just hovering around the Olympic standard, trying to nail that in today. And I think it's uh, for for that it's been a successful day for a lot. You look at the women's side; um, there aren't any who were as as tantalizingly close as Juan Luis Barrios, but still we have, you know, Ellie Pashley from Australia ran a 231.30. Um, so that's probably the closest, but other than that, um, looking at Edith Chilimo, who was probably the closest under the Olympic standard, but she, given that she's from Kenya, I, I don't think that she'll be able to qualify for the team. Um, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will be leaving this course today feeling like they've accomplished something uh, despite this this incredibly weird time. And, you know, you mentioned this uh, earlier, perhaps it was during the live show, just the, the ability to uh, get your name on the list and make it to London was a privilege because it's not everyone who was able to get in. A lot of people got in on a really late notice and probably had to alter their training to try to peak for this. So 
to come to London, uh, get there healthy, um, not get sick, race, peak properly, and dip under Olympic standard. I think anyone who's done that today uh, should give themselves a pretty huge pat on the back because it's been a weird year of training. Yeah, it's some tough. I mean, some tough results. Um, I'm just looking the on the the UK side for the women. Um, you know, Steph Twell, who came in, I think, looking like she was going to run a, a pretty decent time and qualify for Team GB. Uh, I believe she dropped out. She didn't. I don't think she finished the race. So, uh, yeah, there's some a bit of heartbreak here, but obviously the the big story of the day is that. Uh, Elia Kipchoge is beatable and finished a shocking eighth place in the London Marathon. Uh, the winner, of course, uh, Shura Kitata of Ethiopia, 205.41 in a sprint finish, one of the more exciting finishes I've ever seen in a marathon, uh, beating out uh, Kenyan Vincent uh, Chipchumba by literally one second, maybe even not even a second. Right now they've got it on the... The London website saying it's he was beat by one second um, with uh, Sisse Lima uh, of Ethiopia coming in third in 205.45, so like four seconds back as well. So it was a three-man race to the end, and but obviously, shockingly, Elia Kipchoge is pretty pretty handily beat. Says it was an ear issue, um, and that affected him what, in the last 15K. And so I think... Alex, let's let's close the pot out by let's talk about let's first talk about the obvious, which is uh, what did you find the most surprising element of of the London Marathon today? Okay, um, <laughs> well, I, I think there's, there's there's a pretty obvious most surprising moment uh, is that yeah, Kipchoge lost. Um, maybe that's too obvious. Maybe we give a second one. Um, I think that the the second most surprising thing, um, you know what? I'll give a variant to that. The most surprising thing is not that Kipchoge lost. It's also how he lost. I thought that if it, I, I'm, I'm eating my words here because I mentioned this in our pre-show. I did not think any of these guys who would be facing off against Kipchoge would try to throw in a big surge or drop him just because they wouldn't be able to to muster up the, the confidence and even it just wouldn't seem like a wise move because Kipchoge doesn't lose. The smart thing to do to get a fast time would just be to hold on as long as possible. I guess for that, I was right. There wasn't a big surge. That's what I'm surprised about. I'm surprised that the way that he got dropped wasn't by a crazy surge. The split stayed the same throughout. Yeah. And, and, I thought that if he was going to get dropped, it was actually going to be by someone who would try something crazy. I didn't think that was going to happen. Therefore, I didn't think he was going to get dropped. I didn't think that they would just keep rolling, clicking 205 pace and have Kipchoge drop off when he did. So the way that the race unfolded, I was surprised. And the fact that they just stayed consistent up until the end and it was decided by a sprint finish, you know, that rarely, rarely happens. I think of the world championships last year when Elisa de Sisa, uh, one in a sprint finish um yeah you we were there was, lucky to see that there but we're that rarely rarely happens so that was a surprising moment for me we've seen it's very similar as well to to boston uh there was a there was, i think it was last year in boston or the year before there was a sprint to the finish also involving lalisa de Sisa, who i believe lost that sprint if i'm not mistaken i'm just going mm. off the top of my head here i don't have the notes in front of me uh i wasn't expecting to talk much about boston today but 
Um, yeah, I think that uh, my my thoughts are very similar with in terms of like the big surprise today. Obviously, uh, the punctuation mark is that Elia Kipchoge is human. He was he's beatable. Uh, perhaps an ailment uh, in his ear was the the what beat him and not the racers on the course. Uh, but of course that's, that's racing. Right. And as you said, I was expecting some sort of tactics or big surge instead, uh, Mr. Consistency Kipchoge actually just fell off. What was a train that was just chugging along at pretty much as we're looking at the splits now, pretty much the same pace. They didn't really surge and drop him so much as he just, he, he faltered which unbelievable turn of events. Uh, obviously his, his, his all time, his worst marathon, he's, he's run a, a marathon or a marathon event. If you count the breaking two and the uh, Enios 159 challenge as performances, which clearly they are. Uh, he's run 15 in total. He is before today only ever finished first place with the exception of the 2013 Berlin Marathon, where he finished second. Before today, his only finish outside of 205 was the Rio Olympics, where he won in 208.44. And Olympic marathons are, you know, typically quite slow by by comparison to these uh, marathon majors, and. Um, Today he ran a two hundred six forty nine, and that and an eighth place, which is uh, the the big going to be the big blemish on the perfect record. There was a lot of talk about Kipchoge's near clean sheet, and really a lot of people saw that twenty thirteen Berlin second place as he was just you know an up and coming marathon runner at that point. He wasn't the main man, so uh, this is really quite frankly the first time he has faltered in a marathon and had a poor performance and lost essentially. So that's the big surprise for the day. Um, what's the, uh, what's the best, what do you think is the banner performance of the day? Who do you, of, of all the races and all of the, the, all the sort of subplots of this, of this, uh, of this event today, Alex. So, um, my, my biased Canadian looks at as Tristan Woodfine, uh, that would be one I mean, of the, yeah, one sure. of, yeah. that's, yeah. it's, you know, given his personal best going into the race, uh, three, it, about a, almost a three minute improvement, um, is impressive for anyone, especially on a day where the conditions perhaps weren't optimal. Um, so my attention goes towards him, but I think my winner, uh, in fact, is Sarah Hall. And she's also like a feel-good performance because this is something that we've talked about too, I think, in the pre-show. Sarah Hall came into 2020 incredibly fit. She ran a PB in Berlin uh, in 2019 and was just slated to make the Olympic team. The Olympic trials come. It's not her day. And then COVID happens and she just is trying to find a race to prove her fitness and we were kind of rooting for her uh that finally she can get into a race she can kind of prove her fitness and um you know unfortunately the trials have passed she's not making the olympics but the good thing is she was able to put down a good official time run a personal best and like you say finish second at the london marathon that's incredibly impressive in itself and that's something that that sticks with you and it's a career highlight um so 
to come to London, finish second, also go from fifth to second in the last few kilometers signals like that, she, you know, she not only is she fit, she ran it really smart and strategically. So um, I think I have to give my my um, I forget what the award is, but uh, kudos to Sarah Hall. What is it? Most surprising, <laughs> most happy, best, 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 best performance. performance. Yeah. So breakout performance. performance, top performance. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll give it Sarah Hall yourself. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I think Bridget Costco is getting. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is the the top, top, top performance, but obviously she won the race on the women's side, and uh, two eighteen high is uh, is an impressive performance given the the conditions today. And she had you know pretty commanding uh, performance as well. Uh, I should note that the BBC somehow missed her break, like mm. uh, no ads. No uh, dude running in a big Ben costume you've got to cut back to uh, to appease the masses. This was an elite-only race, and you missed the break. The BBC missed the break. Anyway, the gripe continues. But uh, Cost Guy's performance was very good. Um, and But obviously, I think that the big, the big performance that we've got to... It's going to get lost in Kipchoge being beat is the fact who beat him, which is... Shuri Katada, not only did he run a solid race, um, he's somebody who's loomed large in these major marathons the last few years with some pretty good finishes, but never quite had that signature performance. This is the signature performance. This is, uh, he gets to say, I'm the guy who took down Elia Kipchoge. And uh, it's, it, you know, I'm sure in Ethiopia, he's going to be like the big deal today uh, in that country for for taking down um the, the greatest of all time and you know the time isn't sparkly it's good but not great at 205 41 but the performance overall was spectacular you think about he's the guy who made the move uh that ultimately led that group to slowly pull away from kipchoge even if they weren't picking up the pace they were maintaining and he was driving that and then obviously with that closing sprint which was just such a phenomenal experience uh, experience such an incredible thing to watch and so exciting i mean that's what you're always looking for with this with this sport is you're looking for those uh outstanding performances that really define the event and obviously i think that's that sprint finish is one of the defining moments unfortunately besides the fact that this is the day that kipchoge lost a marathon so here's a quick question yeah. about Katata and others. So in 20 around 2011 2012 David Rudisha was unbeatable in the 800 meters. Right. And at one point a young Ethiopian named Mohamed Aman beat him. Yeah. No one really saw it coming, but Aman was an up and comer and he just got Rudisha's number on the right day. Right. Henceforth Aman became known as the Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Now, yes. here's a question. Today, Katata won. He beat Kipchoge, who, if Rudisha was a dragon, Kipchoge's a dragon too. So we're going to call sure. Katata the dragon slayer, sure. But here's my question. Do we call Kipchumba, Lemma, Garemu, Wasahun, and Tola yeah. also, and Kapruto also the dragon slayers, or is it just is there just one? Yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing that was coming to mind as you were saying that, is that it was really a group. It was like a group of five guys that... Uh, that dispatched Elliot Kipchoge, uh, not merely one guy, but there's only one winner, right? So 
Uh, you got to give it to Katata to a certain degree. But uh, yeah, so okay, last thing before we uh, we shut things down uh, for this London Marathon. Uh, what's coming out of this race? Uh, what what are you most excited about now going into uh, the next several months of crazy COVID uncertainty and maybe an Olympics and maybe not an Olympics and maybe there'll be spring marathons, but I highly doubt it. There certainly will be these like controlled events, which is good. Um, what are you, what are you uh, most excited about in, in the coming well, months? Two things. Uh, one is more race related and one is a bit more logistics related. So race related, I, I, do find the new dynamic interesting. There was some, when Kipchoge broke two hours, there was some thought that Kipchoge had kind of ruined the marathon for everything else, for everyone else, kind of like Bolt in a sense had at once, you know, he had once elevated sprinting by becoming faster than anyone. He drew attention to the sport more than, than anyone had. But at the same time, the performances became boring because you knew who would win. Now with this happening and perhaps Kipchoge was just off today, but, it does open the field wide open. You know, one, are these guys, Kitata, Kipchumba, et cetera, uh, are they going to be able to challenge a Kipchoge at right. his best? And two, what's Kipchoge going to do now? What's Kipchoge going to do in the next marathon? Is he going to bounce back? Is this the start of like a weird rut for him that he's never experienced before? Or are we just going to see Kipchoge run a two flat and change next time and everyone just say, oh, he's back. It was an off one. And then that's, that's you know, the next part of the great Kipchoge narrative is him coming back and overcoming something because that's the only thing that he's lacking in like a perfect career is is overcoming that extra adversity um so i'm excited to see what happens in that sense and the second thing is i think there's a whole lot of positive that comes out of this weekend because london proved and i can't talk too fast we'll have to see in the next few weeks we wouldn't want to see an outbreak that came from the race but all things considered so far and just given the the coverage that we've been following for the race the race was very well organized it seems um it looks like they, they've been able to kind of get a lot of good runners to congregate to one place and keep the virus at bay. And if in the next couple of weeks there's no negative outcome of it, it will have proven that an elite race is possible right now. We're yeah. able to organize something like this, and that's going to encourage you know more race organizers to try these things in the spring, and perhaps running can become alive again a bit quicker than we expected. So I think that is going to be a positive to come out of this weekend. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I, my, what I'm most excited about is, in a weird sense, uh, the creativity that comes out of this uncertainty. And also now, uh, obviously, that Kipchoge is just a man who walks on this earth like the rest of us, um, that there will be a more complex dynamic to the narratives in the coming races i am so excited for the olympic race next year if it happens i hope it happens if you know obviously it can happen safely um you know that's a given but this just tees up like a really dramatic series of races in 2021 if they can take place and as london shows it seems like they can take place it'll take a couple of weeks to obviously see if you know, hopefully this wasn't some sort of a scenario for incubation and spreading the virus, but it seemed like they were very, very careful and cautious. Um, obviously, this is a premier event and an extremely expensive event to put on. So you're not going to see something of this magnitude in places like Arizona with the, the 
with the event that they're going to put on, um, the marathon event they're going to put on later this year. And certainly next spring, uh, you know, if, if Houston in, in the new year decides to put on a closed elite only event, that's a type of race that would probably put something like that together. Um, and what Boston does next spring, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they'll probably run an event, but, uh, and what London may do next, next spring with this course, it's interesting. And, I'm excited to see the next time. I'm excited to watch Elliot Kipchoge run another race. I'm excited to see Anissa Bekele run a race because he didn't even get to start today. And I'm excited to see if any of these guys can elevate their game and be consistent and become these uh, top contenders uh, and these names that we that the average fan becomes more familiar with. And I'm also excited about making marathon running and distance running a sport as a point of focus as a spectator and as a fan. And I think that was on display today. I mean, I don't know what the numbers were like for, for the stream and whatnot, but there seemed to be quite a bit of interest in it, even after uh, Bekele dropped out and we lost that sort of like heavyweight fight dynamic. Um, yeah. So I think that's what I'm most excited about. I'm most excited. I'm, ex- I'm excited for the future. There we go. That's sort Great. of more, more generally. Uh, yeah. I, it's nice to be excited about something. It's nice to um, to to feel like there was like a big event that a whole bunch of people coalesced around and uh, and celebrated together. And I feel bad for Kipchoge. I think we all do. I think he's perhaps maybe this is like uh, an aspect of all of this, but he's like the most likable guy. Like. He's like the opposite of Donald Trump. He's like the person you cheer for and you hope the best for. Um, that's all I'll say about American politics. But um, yeah, so I, I think this is next. Even though the performances weren't like superlative and we didn't get world records and we didn't get a breaking two or you know 3.0 or whatever, we didn't get the big duel between the, the two greatest of all time. Uh, I still think it was a really cool experience and a really cool day, and I'm excited to see the next race. I'm excited to see what happens with this NAS Elite event that they're putting on in the U.S. I'm excited to see what others will do in the future. Okay, we're done. We're nearly an hour talking about this race. Uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, Alex, thank you for for uh, for being the co-pilot in all of this today. This was fun. This was many hours of talking now. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I think uh, I'm so fired up with this race. I'm not even going to go back to sleep. And that was the original plan. So uh, I guess we watched, they did something right. The runners, we watched something good. So uh, yeah, pleasure to be on. And hopefully we're doing one of these soon. Another one of these. Yeah, this was like a test thing for us. The whole experience. Uh, I think we're going to get a little bit more elaborate and uh, and hopefully more professional uh, with the way we do these events and cover them from our own unique perspective in the future. So stay tuned for that. Obviously, um, you know, if you're watching this here, press, uh, uh, follow us on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram. And we promise you we'll be feeding the beast a lot more in the future. And of course, subscribe to our newsletter, which uh, we send out, uh, pretty much weekly and, uh, with all sorts of new stuff. Uh, it's, dxc.substack.com and we'll be having a website coming up soon we're working on that now so we will have like a natural home for all of this madness uh and obviously our podcast we're going to be pushing this out if you're listening to this as a podcast uh we and you're and you're 55 minutes in with us here 
we did this as a live podcast as well on Facebook Live. So that's why um, there's this weird kind of like meta speak that I'm doing right now. But yeah, if you're listening to this live, uh, subscribe to our podcast. It's available on all the podcast, uh, on all the spots where you listen to podcasts. Uh, and um, yeah, thanks for listening.